0: Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. This week's case has been on my mind for over a year. Actually, right around the time that the pandemic started. I, like everyone else on the planet, was quarantined and trying to find something to watch on television. Everyone and their mother was talking about a show called Tiger King on Netflix. I turned it on and at first I was like, "Ew, what am I watching? But now at this point in time, I was stuck at home. I tried to watch it again and I was kind of immediately hooked. It was such trashy television. It was like watching a train wreck where you just can't look away. Well, during season one, episode one of Tiger King, There was a short three minute segment that caught my attention. And it's that story that I will be telling you today. This isn't about a murder, although Joe Exotic thinks otherwise. This is a story of a Vietnam veteran who suffered immensely after being drafted into the army in 1967. He served his country, but after he returned from war, he wasn't the same. And for anyone familiar with the history of Vietnam, many of the veterans from that era were not treated well when they returned home. Today's case intersects with episode 90 from a few weeks ago when I chatted with Dr. Scott and Dr. Shiloh about post-traumatic stress disorder. It seems like after my chat with them, I view each story about PTSD and suicide with a different lens. Join me today as I tell you the story of Terry Thompson and the day he made history when he set his collection of lions, tigers and bears loose in the small town of Zanesville, Ohio. Now, let's dig in. My sources for this episode are as follows. An investigative journalist piece by Chris Heath in GQ magazine. Articles in the New York Post, USA Today, People, LA Times, and Post-Gazette. I also watched a few documentaries. The best one and most informative being one called Horror at the Zoo, which you can catch on YouTube. A four minute episode of Fatal Attraction on Animal Planet, a segment of Joe Exotic TV circa 2012 and one of the oddest documentaries I think I've ever watched. It's called T's World, the over-identification of Terry Thompson. And let's just say about that last piece, it was a weird abstract and you can just be happy that I watched it for all of us. I also listened to a really awesome episode of the podcast called Ohio versus the World. All right, let's get to it. Zanesville, Ohio is a small town, population 25,000, and it lies about 55 miles east of Columbus. At around 5 p.m. on October 18th, 2011, Sam Kopchek, a resident of Zanesville, went outside to check on his horse, and his horse's name was Red. He had just gotten this Pinto Arabian horse, and Sam was really proud of it. When he exited his barn to find Red, Red was at the top of the hill and he was acting really strange. Sam walked up the hill, which was surrounded by a four-foot fence, which was meant only to keep horses from wandering. Sam looked around at his neighbor's horses and they were also acting weird and kind of doing this weird circle thing. Sam wondered what could be going on. And that's when he saw a bear in the middle of the circle of horses. Oh, crap, Sam thought. One of Terry's bears got out again. Terry, Terry Thompson, that is. Terry was Sam Kopchak's neighbor, and he was known to collect exotic animals. But this wasn't the first time one of them got out of its enclosure. So Sam thought he'd quickly take his horse back to the barn and call Terry. As Sam walked down the hill with his horse in tow, he felt someone or better yet something looking at him. And as he looked up right there on the other side of this four foot fence, he saw the most terrifying thing in the planet. A giant African lion sitting there just staring at him. Oh, Sam thought he knew if he ran, the lion's instincts would kick in and it would take off after him. And Sam was not about to leave his brand new horse either. So instead of panicking on the outside, he held his horse tight and walked swiftly down the hill and into his barn. He only looked back once and never again. As soon as Sam got into the barn, he locked it, secured red, and then called his 84-year-old mother, who was in the main house. He didn't want her accidentally wandering outside. His mother, Dolores, who went by Dolly, she figured, Ugh, damn Terry, again with his shenanigans, and she called him. But there was no answer. Dolly then called the police and just told them there was a bear and a lion out. There's no real sense of urgency in the call. I mean, there's a lion and a bear. And the 911 operator is almost kind of like, oh, yeah, that dang Terry. And that's because, according to reporting in the Post-Gazette, since 2005, authorities had been called to Terry's house at least 30 times. But it was usually because a horse got out. A cop was sent out to Terry Thompson's house on this day, which is located at 270 Copcheck Road. And if Copcheck sounds familiar... It's because Sam Kopchek, the neighbor who saw the bear and the lion, well, his family history in Zanesville, Ohio, goes way back. And the road was named after one of his family members. While the cops are heading to Terry's house, Sam is stuck in the barn. And he looks out the barn door and he begins to see more and more exotic animals. It's almost as if he's watching animals coming out of Noah's Ark. There's a bear and a lion and a tiger. And as soon as Sam sees the tiger, he thinks, oh, 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 all hell is about to break loose. And it sure does when the tiger goes after the horses. Sergeant Steve Blake is the first one to arrive at Terry's complex. And when the cop arrives in the driveway, he bumps into John Moore, who is Terry's helper. John works for Terry and takes care of the animals six days a week. John and the cop enter Terry's home, but Terry isn't there. Inside the home, however, are two monkeys, I believe they're macaques, and there's two dogs, but these animals are all in cages. John and Officer Blake, they're looking for Terry, but he is nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, Deputy Jonathan Mary was the first one to arrive at Sam's house, since the call came from Sam. As he's there, he starts to see the animals, and he sees a wolf. He follows it, and then, over the radio, he begins to hear that if there is an animal outside the perimeter of Terry's home, they are ordered to shoot to kill. It's then that Deputy Mary takes out the wolf, who has clearly breached the perimeter. Then he realizes that he's the only one of the cops with a rifle, so he heads towards Terry's house to help the other cops. When he gets there, he gets out of his vehicle, and then he goes inside to retrieve his rifle. But it gets stuck on something. As he stands upright outside of the car, he sees a black bear and it begins to charge at him. So Deputy Mary grabs his service gun, which is just a Glock, and he shoots the bear. He aims for the head, and when the bear was hit, it fell, no kidding, seven feet in front of the officer. And it fell so hard and was coming so fast that the bear's body actually toppled over itself. Even though Deputy Mary has already shot a wolf and a bear, everyone is still kind of calm. All they have to do is find Terry. They are sure that if they find Terry, he can assist in getting the animals back into their enclosures. Back at the house, John and Officer Blake drive around Terry's property, and that's when they see in the distance behind one of the enclosures, there appears to be a human body on the floor. Above the body is a white tiger who appears to be feeding off of the body. Near the body, the officers see a gun and bolt cutters. The officers call it in and they're not 100 percent sure the body is Terry, but they have a pretty strong feeling it's him. And it's at this point that the fear begins to set in. Sheriff Matt Lutz then reports the following over the radio at 6.04 p.m. Quote, Okay, we have located the owner, Code 16, possible 58, unknown for sure on that, end quote. And by the way, Code 16 means dead on arrival and possible 58 means a possible suicide. Sheriff Matt Lutz knows now that not only are his officers in danger, so is the entire Zanesville community. Dolly made that first call at about 5 p.m. and now the darkness was creeping up on them. The first order of business was figuring out how many exotic animals were on the loose. You see, the thing is, as the officers were driving around, the 911 operator was getting flooded with phone calls of lion sightings, of tiger sightings, and of bear sightings. So the first order of business was figuring out how many exotic animals were on the loose. You see, the thing is that Terry was an exotic animal owner. But not only that, he was an exotic animal hoarder. And with hoarders, you never really know how much crap they have until you take a look for yourself. And if you've ever watched an episode of Hoarders, you think, oh, my gosh, And listen, since this is Ohio that we're talking about right now, at this time, they had the most lax laws on exotic animal ownership in the country. And by lax, I mean they had none. No one knew how many animals Terry had, not even what species of animals he had. Thankfully, John Moore was there, but it really wasn't even that helpful immediately because he didn't even have a number off the top of his head. So he began to put this mental picture to paper to give the officers an idea of how many animals they would be looking for. And the final number was 56, 56 exotic animals, all owned legally by Terry Thompson. And now they were on the loose. According to a press release and an article in the GQ magazine, the animals included 18 tigers, 17 lions, eight bears, three leopards, two wolves one baboon and one macaque, which is a monkey. By this point, the order to shoot to kill had been executed and they were on the hunt. But the police department, they don't really want to kill these animals. They want to ensure the public safety. That's their number one priority. And when the police arrived back at the farm, there were some lions or tigers that were still in the enclosures. But the door to the enclosures were all open, which is why all these animals were out wandering. The cops decided this was a two-man job. So as one cop put his arm in to grab the gate to close it for the animals that were still in the enclosures, the other officer stood nearby aiming his weapon at the animal in case there were any sudden movements. Once the officer closed the first gate, you know, he kind of breathed a sigh of relief, he moved on to the next. But it was then that he noticed a gaping hole in the enclosure. While the gate was secure... The animal inside was not and could easily make an escape. It was then that one of the animals got into a predatory posture and came at the officers. And the officers had no choice but to kill the animal. Now, everyone's adrenaline was running high, but this is like being in actual war. You diffuse one situation only to continue on to the next. There's no time to calm down and come down from that high because... You could turn around and, no kidding, be face-to-face with an African lion or even worse, a tiger. Real quick, while everyone says the lion is the king of the jungle, after reading for this case and researching and hearing many cops' interviews, I think it's safe to say that the most dangerous of animals encountered on this day were the tigers. The lions, when they were shot, they kind of just went down. While the tigers, on the other hand, One of the officers described that once a tiger was shot, they only got angrier and angrier and they jumped like 15 feet into the air, which is pretty scary if you ask me. And Sam Kopchak, the neighbor, also describes not really panicking after seeing lions and bears, but once he saw that tiger, he knew there was danger, which is just so insane. Continuing with the story. The police department almost immediately puts out signs on the highway. You know, the ones that typically say, wear your seatbelt, it saves lives, don't drink and drive, that type of stuff. Well, those signs were now displayed with the words, quote, caution exotic animals, end quote, and stay in your vehicle. A mile away, a high school team was out in the open playing soccer or football or something. One source says it was a mile away. Another source says it was two miles away. And to be honest, when you're talking about these exotic animals, you probably don't even want to be 10 miles within its perimeter. While all this is happening, Deputy Mary is out front and he's just taking exotic animals out left and right. Not because he wants to, but because he has no other choice. He saw a tiger trying to go under a fence and he shot it. He saw a lioness going towards someone's house. While another one is also going out, and Mary shoots this lioness, and the other cops are there, and they shoot the other animal. In total, Deputy Mary had to put something like two wolves, three lions, a tiger, a grizzly bear, and a black bear out. And even with all of these dead exotic animals, there are still more animals on the loose. And there are two local organizations on the way, the Columbus Zoo and the Wilds. And they are hauling ass trying to get to Terry's house to save as many animals as possible. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, Papa.com. Add Energy Explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. The Columbus Zoo is roughly 75 miles from Terry's house, and everyone in the animal zoo, animal rescue community at this time, they knew all about Terry Thompson and his animal hoarding ways. On this day, the Columbus Zoo was hosting a huge event. They were hosting the International Rhino Foundation, a place where, I don't know, where rhino experts from across the globe get together to do rhino things. Anyway, it's around dinner and everyone is at a cocktail party when someone walks in, probably out of breath after hearing the news. Everyone is stunned to hear what has happened. But one person, Dr. Michael Berry, he's the zoo's director of animal health. He had actually been to Terry's farm before. And Dr. Barry had many concerns about that place. He was concerned about the security, about the cleanliness and about animal cruelty. So when he heard what happened, he wasn't one bit shocked. The Columbus Zoo immediately puts together its capture and rescue recovery team. They pack up tranquilizers and weapons and they hit the road wishing they'd been there yesterday because now they are fighting darkness. Meanwhile, the Zanesville Police Department have contacted an organization called the Wilds. The Wilds is a private nonprofit safari park in Muskingum County, Ohio. So at this point, we have the Columbus Zoo recovery team on the way. We have the Wilds on the way, but we now have darkness and dozens of exotic animals still loose in Zanesville. So the police department call upon their SWAT team and in conjunction with the regular squad, they form a shooting team. Sergeant Blake was driving a Silverado crew cab and in the bed of the truck were four officers and they were armed to the brink. According to reporting by Chris Heath, Deputy Tony Angelo, who was a SWAT sniper, he had a bolt-action rifle. Deputy Ryan Painsley, he had a 9mm HK MP5 submachine gun. Deputy Jay Lawhorn and Deputy Todd Cannival both had assault rifles, and the four of them kind of stood in a diamond formation on the truck of the bed as they scanned the area for animals. Boom, they got two tigers trying to leave their cages. I'm not sure if they got the white tiger then and there, but that white tiger was eventually taken out. They shoot another animal and then another one and then eventually they run out of ammo and they return to retrieve some more. And it was then that they got close enough to the body on the floor and they confirmed it was in fact 62-year-old Terry Thompson. Terry appeared to have died from a gunshot wound to the head and the gun was found near his body. Also near the body, they found blue bolt cutters, which in the officer's mind explained the gaping holes in the cages around the body were pieces of chicken. And one of the police department spokespersons later said that 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 might have been done because Terry wanted his animals to eat him. Mind you, at this point, it appears to be a suicide and it is eventually ruled a suicide. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And in an even more bizarre turn of events. When Terry's body was discovered, not only did it appear that he had been dragged by the arm or the head by a large cat, but his pants were unbuttoned and unzipped and pulled all the way down to his ankles. This is crazy, guys. His genitalia and parts of his thigh were completely missing, mauled by an animal, apparently. And this is really kind of disturbing. By the time that everyone with the animal organizations have arrived, the circumstances have changed and it was far too risky to use the less aggressive forms of animal capture. It was dark and raining and the animal professionals didn't know the animal's weight. They didn't even know which animal they were going to be like trying to sneak up on, you know, in order to properly give them the right tranquilizer that they had. For example, Dr. Barbara Wolf, who's a veterinarian, she explained on the documentary Horror at the Zoo. That in order to use a tranquilizer on an animal, you have to know their weight to measure out the tranquilizer medication or the medicine or the liquid or whatever. Then the animal is usually in an enclosure, so there's no danger to itself or others. And then once a tranquilizer is administered on a certain body part, it takes approximately 10 to 15 minutes to work. If the animal is free to roam for those 10 to 15 minutes, they're a danger to themselves or worse, they're a danger to the public. But on top of that, they're now mad and ready to pounce. So even with the backup of these animal organizations and the hope that they'd be able to save some of the animals, the shoot to kill order remained in effect. Six hours after the first call to police, the shooting finally ceased and the dispatcher and many of the others in the area said that it sounded like Iraq or Afghanistan because it was a constant volleying of shots being fired. When the shooting finally stopped, The police department made the decision that they needed to retrieve all of the animals for accountability purposes. The animals were then tied by a leg and they were tied to a construction looking bulldozer and dragged all to one spot. And they were then lined up by species. And it was this photo that was displayed across televisions across the world. And this this was the picture that captured the seriousness of exotic animal ownership. You see, before Joe Exotic, before Carol Baskin, this right here was the moment. The moment in a small town in the middle of Ohio where people realized that regular old Joe Schmoes owned these exotic animals. This was the moment that Ohio legislatures opened their eyes. After all the animals were counted, they realized they were missing one tiger and they soon found its hiding spot in the woods. And this is it. The police department teamed up with Dr. Wolf from the wild, and they thought they were finally going to be able to save one tiger. That's all they wanted. So Dr. Wolf explained what she did on the documentary that I watched. She loads up her tranquilizer gun with an estimated dosage. She's nervous. You know, it's not every day you attempt to tranquilize a tiger out in the open. She goes out with the security team and they're locked and loaded in case the animal has to be taken out. Dr. Wolf, she's a tiny little woman, but she takes this tranquilizer gun and she's trying to be as quiet as possible as to not startle the tiger. She pushes through the brush to get a clear shot. She takes aim. Boom. She pulls the trigger. She hits the tiger immediately. And for a second. The tiger just sits there. But then one of the officers describes that the tiger made the most boisterous sound he's ever heard. And it then leaped into the air and came right at Dr. Wolf. She falls back. But before the tiger can get any closer, the cops have to unload their bullets into the tiger. And that was it. There was just no other choice. It was the tiger or the doctor. The most amazing thing about this entire endeavor is that on October 18th, 2011, 48 exotic animals, including tigers, lions, bears and wolves. They were all let out into civilization and not one human was hurt. Not one. That is so amazing and a true testament to the officers of Zanesville. Say what you want about the situation. okay? whatever. But if I had to choose an animal or a human, a human wins 100 percent of the time. Unless, of course, that human is BTK, John Battaglia or any of the other heinous humans I've covered on this show before. (laughs) Okay, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. After it was all said and done, 48 animals lay dead on Terry Thompson's property. Actually, if I'm being completely honest, only 47 animals lay there. One monkey was missing in action, and initially it was believed that he had been eaten by one of the giant cats. The crazy thing about this missing monkey, this missing macaque, is that according to an episode of Ohio versus the world, that podcast I was telling you about, the missing monkey had hepatitis B. Like, so what? How this story just keeps getting crazier. So when they initially were looking for this monkey, they were told not to shoot it, but It never had to come to that because after the animals were inspected, exactly as predicted, one of the giant cats had in fact eaten the monkey. So there were 48 dead exotic animals, but Terry had 56. What about the other animals? Well, it turns out that when the animal enclosures were opened, a few remained locked up. So Terry didn't let them all out. And left in the enclosures were a few leopards. Bears and macaques. And remember, there were two macaques inside the home. I watched an episode of Joe Exotic TV circa 2012, where Joe tends to believe that had the leopards been released, there would have certainly been human lives taken that night. He believes that whoever did this, because he doesn't believe it's Terry, he thinks they knew exactly what they were doing. And he believes that the macaques were salvaged because they can bring in about $10,000. But more on Joe Exotic later. Also, I just wanted to note that the 48 animals that were dead ended up being buried on Terry's property the very next day. They just basically dug a giant grave, and that's where all the animals were put to rest. But for now, I want to talk a little bit more about Terry Thompson. Who the hell was this guy? Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. Terry William Thompson was a blue-eyed Eagle Scout. He measured in at 5'5", five five, and he grew up in Zanesville, Ohio. He was always quite the adventurer, even getting his pilot's license before he could even legally drive a car. He had all the normal things going for him in life. But then in 1967, he was drafted into the army and quickly sent to fight in Vietnam. During the war, Terry was a door gunner in a helicopter, and he'd later tell people how bad Vietnam was. Not that anyone needed to tell you this because people already knew how bad it was. And guess what? Terry survived the war. But when he returned home, those closest to him knew that war had changed him. War changes everyone. But Terry was not shy about his hatred for the army. Not only that, but he had terrible, terrible survivor's guilt. He was a single soldier at the time, and he survived. Meanwhile, he saw so many soldiers that had families, and they never got the chance to come back home. When Terry returned home, he wasn't afraid to talk about the things he saw in Vietnam. He saw dead bodies, dead comrades, limbs shot off. He told stories about being part of the drop off and recovery team on the helicopter. So he once told a friend, Mike Marshall, that oftentimes at pickup locations, they would be picking up their comrades under hostile fire. And the saddest story that I heard was that Terry once spoke of how sometimes there were too many men to pick up at once and they didn't all fit in the helicopter. There were so many men left behind, and it was so bad that the men on the ground were so desperate that they would cling to the helicopter. And Terry commented that they actually had to pry their fingers off the airplane to actually take off. When I learned about this moment in my research, I was taken aback and saddened. These are parts of soldiers' stories and military members' lives that we don't often hear about. And here I was learning about this terrible moment in this man's life. These are moments that Terry lived with every single day until he died. And we have to remember history, right? The Vietnam War was a different time. Now, veterans return from service and the American people applaud them. They hug them. They send gifts. They give discounts. But back then, veterans were spit on. They were made fun of. And they were, in a sense, shunned as if any of it was their fault. I took a college course once on Vietnam, and I remember my professor telling us that if we ever met a Vietnam veteran, to just thank them for their service, because it's something that they're not used to. So one day, I was at an airport waiting to board, and I saw a veteran with a Vietnam hat on. So I thanked this gentleman for his service. And no kidding, right there in the middle of the airport, this man started crying. Then I started crying and we we had a chat. It was a moment that really hit me. How our service members are sometimes so misunderstood. How this entire generation of military veterans were shunned for something that was out of their control. It is believed that Terry suffered terribly from post traumatic stress disorder, but of course, we didn't talk about PTSD during or after the Vietnam War. Others tend to believe that Terry suffered from Agent Orange exposure, another thing that we don't talk about because it's taboo. Well, I bring this all up to let you know about Terry's experience and who he was as a person. Once Terry returned from Vietnam, it seemed like he just couldn't ground himself. He fell in love with fast things. Everything was a competition to him. If he could do it, he would do it. If he could own something, he would buy it and he would buy it just to say he had it. And we all know people like that in her life. When Terry returned, he soon married his high school sweetheart, Marianne Sharp. She was the popular pretty girl and she had money. And Terry was the rough around the edges type of guy. And they seemed to work well together. It's not surprising to learn that Terry bought a Corvette after he returned from Vietnam. Marianne became a school teacher and she went on to become a prize winning equestrian. Terry sold cars for a bit and then he became a local Harley Davidson dealer and got a license to sell guns. It was during this time that he became obsessed with animals, but it wasn't exotic animals. It was Doberman's. Also, just in a side note, while Terry was in Vietnam, he apparently befriended a monkey, a monkey in the jungle that he would take care of. And it was almost as if Terry survived and kept his sanity because of this monkey. During this time, Terry got into racing drag boats. He even did weird stunts with his airplane, like flying too low and too close to structures. Eventually, after years of owning the motorcycle shop, he sold it. And in the late 90s, his destiny changed forever. He went to a local auction and he bought Marion a baby tiger. And it was at this moment that he just began to accumulate more and more exotic animals. He once said in court, quote, once you have an exotic animal, you're somewhat tagged as someone who will take unwanted or abandoned animals. And that's how it grew, end quote. And, you know, you animal people are something else. I'm not just talking about exotic animal people. I'm talking about animal people in general. You want to bring your pet everywhere. And guess what? Exotic animal owners are no different. It is said that Terry once brought his bear cub to a house party. Mind you, the house where this party was being hosted was newly renovated. And well, Terry just let his bear cub poop all over the joint and he acted like nothing happened. I'm sure the owners were like, oh, hell no. In the early to mid 2000s, Terry was having a feud with his neighbors because his animals, including his regular household dogs, his Rottweilers at this point, were getting out and killing the neighbor's calves. The neighbor constantly told Terry to get control of his animals. But one day, when Terry's dogs got out again, the neighbor straight killed the dog. And Terry was pissed. Y'all, these neighbor feuds are scary AF. In 2005, there were a few dead animals on Terry's property, including a buffalo and two cows that apparently had died due to starvation. Authorities were called and Terry was charged with animal cruelty. For years, neighbors complained about Terry's property. No one knew exactly what animals he had over there. One time he owned a camel and it escaped and a neighbor called 911. The operator thought the caller had some bad eyesight, but when authorities showed up, sure enough, it was a freaking camel. One of the things I saw his neighbors complain about was that Terry would drive around town picking up roadkill, which apparently is illegal. And he would use this roadkill as a source to feed his exotic animals. Somewhere or another, I learned that it can cost upwards of $10,000 a year to feed just one tiger. Mind you, he had 18 tigers and 17 lions and countless bears. And I'm not even sure what Terry was doing for money at this point. But it wasn't until 2008 that more serious charges came. Terry was under surveillance by the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearm and Explosives. When they raided his house, and this was in 2008, when they raided his house, they confiscated 133 firearms and 36 rounds of ammunition. With all that was confiscated, though, Terry was only convicted of owning one gun without a serial number, which he claims was an antique gun from World War II, and for owning a machine gun. It was during one of these visits, though, to Terry's house that authorities actually recorded themselves, kind of like with body cams, And they recorded all the exotic animals and they attempted to reproduce Terry's farm so that they knew where each animal would be or at least should be. Because they somehow had in the back of their mind that something terrible was going to happen here. And as we saw, it did. While Terry was prepared to go to court for this 2008 charge, he ultimately pled guilty to spare his wife because. They had threatened to charge Marion as well, since she also lived in the home where the two illegal guns were discovered. And because this is federal prison, Terry ended up going home after court. And on November 17, 2010, he turned himself into the Federal Correctional Institute in Morgantown, West Virginia. Terry's motto going into prison was I survived Vietnam, I'm sure I can survive prison. And he did. While he was in prison, he lost 40 pounds. But he began to suspect that Marion, his wife of 30 plus years, was cheating on him. Terry spent nine months in federal prison and on August 26, 2011, he was released to a halfway house. On September 30th, he was ultimately released from the halfway house, but he didn't tell anyone he was getting out. And it is said that when he left the halfway house, he walked over to a local Walmart, bought a bicycle and rode the 40 miles home. And it's at this point that Terry began to feel like his life was spiraling out of control. When he arrived home, Marion had long moved out of the farm. The entire farm was in disarray. Mind you, Terry is a legit hoarder. Once asked why he had so many exotic animals, he responded, quote, because I can, end quote. And it was like that with everything in his life. Exotic animals, stuff, cars. When Terry returned home, he was in significant debt to the IRS and he had two liens on his property. But on top of this, his wife of, like I said, 30 years, she was gone. And to add insult to injury, the animals had all been moved and Terry felt absolutely lost. And even though Terry was no longer in jail, house arrest was part of his release plan and Terry was not looking forward to being confined to his house. On the day before the great Zanesville exotic animal release, Terry confided in John Moore, the young man who had been helping him around the farm. Terry told John that he had just received an anonymous letter telling him that his wife had had an affair while he was in prison. Terry asked John if he had heard or seen anything suspicious, and John assured Terry that he had not. But Terry snapped back, quote, well, I have a plan to find out and you will know when it happens, end quote. In one of the documentaries that I watched, someone said the following about Terry, quote, he felt betrayed by the government, by the army, by society in general. The straw that broke the camel's back was when he went to jail, he came back and his wife had abandoned him, end quote. When I heard that statement, it immediately brought me back to the PTSD episode that I did with Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott. While the end of a relationship may not seem like a big deal to some people. It ultimately breaks some people, and that's what everyone believes happened in this case. Terry's case was ultimately ruled a suicide. The police department did not believe that there was any foul play involved in this case, and there wasn't any evidence to prove that this wasn't a suicide. When Marion heard what happened, as she heard about the animals, she was at the house begging the police not to take the surviving animals, but they had to take them to ensure their safety. And guess what? Ultimately, a few of the exotic animals were returned to Marion. She got back two leopards, one bear and two monkeys. Sadly, one of the other animals had to be put down when someone at the Columbus Zoo accidentally dropped a gate on one of the leopards' necks. Why? Why does this story just get sadder with every passing sentence? And another thing that I learned was that at the time that this happened, a guy by the name of Brandon Morris and his mom They were actually looking out for eight of Terry's other exotic animals, including four bears and four lions. Isn't that insane? I don't even want to babysit my friend's kids. Can you imagine babysitting eight exotic animals? Ugh, this story. All right. Now, I want to talk about our boy Joe Exotic from Tiger King. Ugh. well, Joe Exotic tends to believe that this was not a suicide. Way, way, way before Tiger King aired on Netflix, Joseph Maldonado Passage was on YouTube. His channel was and still is Joe Exotic TV. In 2012, Joe Exotic did a short episode about the Zanesville exotic animal killings. And during this episode, he was a complete conspiracy theorist. Joe doesn't believe that Terry committed suicide at all. And he doesn't believe that the animals needed to die. Joe also theorizes that the gates for the leopards were not open because they are the most dangerous animals in Terry's collection. Joe believes that the monkeys, the macaques, were spared their life because they are worth a whopping $10,000 each. During this episode of Joe Exotic TV, Joe says that the most shocking thing he learned while sleuthing was that the gun that Terry allegedly used to kill himself belonged to a police officer. What? This is insane. Could this be true? According to Joe, he confirmed this to be true. Kind of. The gun used to belong to a police officer, but the police officer assured Joe Exotic that Terry had bought the gun from him. Joe makes a few absurd allegations, including that the police did not take any crime scene pictures, but in the documentary that I watched, they showed various photos of Terry's body blurred out, and they also showed a picture of the gun and the bolt cutters. Joe also cannot fathom that Terry would unzip his pants and drop trow because he believes that would be too embarrassing. So ultimately, what does Joe think? Well, he believes this wasn't a suicide. In his own words, he says, quote, "I believe we have some very high up officials that are playing in this game, and it more or less involves nothing but illegal guns."” end quote. Joe concludes this episode of Joe Exotic TV by saying he made this episode to, quote, “clear animal owners’ names." End quote. But in all honesty in all the documentaries that I watched, Terry told people that he’d do exactly what he did. He told one of his friends by the last name of Leisure, that if he ever found out he had a disease, he would climb to the top of the tiger cage, shoot himself, and then fall inside in hopes of being eaten by the tigers. He ended that conversation with his friend saying, quote, I want to be recycled, end quote. Yikes, that is so morbid. In 2011, at the time of this case, exotic pet ownership was a free-for-all in Ohio. But after this, legislatures got involved. The law required everyone who already owned exotic animals to register their animals immediately. And starting on January 1st, 2014, there was a ban on exotic animal ownership in the state. According to Big Cat Rescue, yes, Carol Baskin's organization, there are four remaining states that have no laws on exotic animal ownership. And those states are Alabama, Nevada, North Carolina and Wisconsin. So if you live in any of these states, be extra careful because you never know when you might bump into an exotic animal while walking your dog in the morning. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. At the end of the documentary Horror at the Zoo, one of the cops who was there on that dreadful night, he was the SWAT team member, Tony Angelo. He spoke about his outrage when he saw the headlines about this case. The Zanesville Massacre. He was pissed. He said they did what they had to do to save human lives. But then as he was talking, he choked up and said, quote, that's pretty much what it was, end quote. And he was referring to the Zanesville Massacre. So I ask you, what do you think? Was this a massacre or was the death of all those exotic animals necessary after Terry Thompson let them all out? And the crazy part is the question still remains. Why did Terry Thompson, a tortured soul, release all his beloved exotic pets? Was he trying to give a big middle finger to the government? Or was he trying to get back at his wife, who ultimately abandoned him in his time of need? If you are suffering with suicidal thoughts, please reach out for help. You can contact the Veterans Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Additionally, if you have always wondered about post-traumatic stress disorder, please reach out to a mental health professional. I cover PTSD in Episode 90 in a non-medical way, and we discuss the topic in a very non-threatening way. So go back and listen to Episode 90 if you haven't already. This case broke my heart. This week alone, I read about a recent airman who died by suicide, and I always ask myself, why, why, how could we have stopped it? Let's be good battle buddies. If you see something or know something, reach out and offer help. For more true crime stories throughout the week, follow me on social media, on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, and on TikTok at Military margot with a T at the end. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions, and produced in collaboration with my bootcamp and higher fan club members. This week's newest associate producers are Kathy and T Renee. This month's newest assistant producer is Megan. Shout out to my newest dotted line supporters, Madeline, Maida, Amy, Luann, and Diana. The music was created by TyOps. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week, and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. <laughs> Shh, let's work another podcast.